I'm Curtis Schaefer. And I'm Martine Halverson-Taylor. And this is Sacred and Profane, a show where we explore how religions shape us and how we shape religions. And our story today, like so many other unexpected headlines, starts in Florida. An ironic twist of support for Florida Governor Rick Scott. In 2013, Scott championed a law that many saw as an end run against long-standing Supreme Court rulings that banned prayer in public schools. Of course, the Supreme Court has said you, you cannot have compulsory prayer in schools. That's Joseph Laycock. Hi, I'm Joseph Laycock, and I'm an associate professor of religious studies at Texas State University. Back in 2013, he was covering religion as a reporter for Religion Dispatches. Uh, So Governor Rick Scott in Florida passed a law basically running an an angle around this and and, and saying, well, the the teachers cannot uh, lead prayer, but students can lead other students in prayer and they can use the resources of the school to do that. And clearly they had Christian prayers in mind. This is how we're going to get the Christian God back into public schools in Florida. Scott's bill drew support from Christian conservatives, but it also drew the attention of a group few people had heard of. A satanic temple fully supports Governor Scott's proposal and is planning to hold a rally later this month. That's right, Satanists pushing for prayer and backing a Tea Party favorite. It wasn't just a press release. Satanists really did show up at Florida's state capitol to rally in support of the governor. Why are you here today? We're here to spread a message of goodwill and benevolence and uh, open-mindedness and free expression. They had a handful of people in sort of classical uh, hammer horror black satanic robes uh, chanting, you know, hail, hail Satan and hail Rick Scott. It's a beautiful day here at the state capitol. Great day to be a Satanist. Great day to be a human being. Uh, and they hired an actor who appeared as kind of their, their supreme uh, commander and, and, and gave a speech. We honor Governor Rick Scott. Hail Satan, Rick for providing us this opportunity to make the satanic cause clear and make our presence known. And it is funny, it's very funny to watch. And uh, I believe it and I'm very excited about it. But Jerry would say that the humor is kind of a side effect. Really his point was to see how people would respond if if he uh, posed this kind of challenge to, to what Rick Scott was trying to do. The Jerry that Joe mentioned is one of the founders of the Satanic Temple. He goes by the pseudonym Malcolm Jerry. Jerry and Satanic Temple co-founder Lucian Greaves quickly developed a reputation for crashing the party when they saw legislation that threatened to erode the separation of church and state. Since that rally in 2013, the Satanic Temple has shown up with a bronze statue of Baphomet in Arkansas. Good people of Arkansas and supporters of religious liberty, I present to you Baphomet. They've attempted to hold a black mass at Harvard. A student group's satanic black mass that was to be planned for last night was canceled after locals became outraged by it. And they've sued the state of Missouri over a restrictive abortion bill on the grounds of religious liberty. 
the Satanic Temple proudly announces to all of its followers that within the states that have enacted the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, religiously performed abortions are exempt from legal requirements that are not medically necessary. The media often cover the Satanic Temple as an elaborate prank, trolling of the highest order and all pulled off by people who openly admit they don't believe that God or the devil actually exist. But despite those public perceptions, in 2019, the IRS recognized the Satanic Temple, now headquartered in Salem, Massachusetts, as a tax-exempt religious organization. The Satanic Temple is openly challenging a lot of our assumptions about, first of all, what is religion? For a lot of the public, that's their assumption, right? Religion is uh, about God, and the Satanic Temple is openly saying, we are a religion, we have tax-exempt status from the IRS, and we don't believe in anything uh, supernatural. And then they're also forcing a conversation about what do you think religious freedom should look like? I see their opponents responding with, with statements like, well, Religious freedom is only for good religions. So these these provocations are forcing conversations in the public square that I think otherwise wouldn't happen and that people would go to a lot of effort to actually avoid having if it were not for the Satanic Temple. So let's start by backing up just a little. Joe, you talk in your book about how Satanists challenge American sensibilities about religion. But what are we really talking about? when we talk about Satanism as a set of beliefs, if they say they don't believe in any sort of deity? Sure. So so Satanism, for most of the history of this word, it has been simply an accusation leveled against other people, right? The, the word Satanism really begins in the wake of the Protestant Reformation, where you have Catholics and Protestants accusing each other of, of posing as Christians, but actually being Satanists. And so it really wasn't until 1966 when Anton LaVey founded the Church of Satan in San Francisco and was basically the first person to openly say, I am a Satanist. You, you can call me that. It's, it's OK. I'm, I'm not offended. Like some of your critics say that Satanism is an excuse for sexual and orgiastic uh, excesses. Yes, I, I fully agree that it is an excuse, but then I also agree that Christianity has been an excuse for many too. LaVey's form of Satanism is called non-theistic Satanism, and that he did say, I am an atheist, and when we sort of perform all of the trappings of Satanism, and we have black masses, and we, we, we perform rituals, and we chant in Latin and so forth, this is all basically just psychodrama, right? This is all uh, therapy. We, we sort of resent being indoctrinated with this deferential view towards Christianity. And by doing these rituals, it reminds us of our own uh, autonomy. In your book, The Satanic Bible, you say, hate your enemies with a whole heart. And if a man smites you on one cheek, smash him on the other. Yes. Do you believe in this? Yes, very much so. I think everyone does, except they cloak it in forms of false uh, altruism or false morality because of teachings such as turn the other cheek. 
The Satanic Temple are non-theistic, and in some ways their idea of what Satanism is comes from LaVey's Church of Satan. So they would say ritual has value, but we don't believe that these rituals are, are supernatural. We believe their benefits are basically a psychological. The Satanic Temple has also come to embrace seven tenets meant to guide their members' behavior. The tenets include striving to act with compassion towards all creatures, respecting the freedoms of others, respecting science and reason, and the belief in bodily autonomy, that is to say, individuals have control of their own bodies. None of the tenets include an actual belief in the devil or one of the common accusations lobbied against Satanists that they practice human sacrifice or pedophilia. Satan is basically their uh, favorite fictional character. It's also important to point out that this is not the Satan of the Bible. This is the Satan of Milton and the Romantic poets of the, the 19th century. So this is a Satan who is standing up for justice against overwhelming odds, on the side of the oppressed, against the monarchy, against the power of the church. I'll say one more thing, which is that although the Satanic Temple is in many ways beholden to the Church of Satan, these two groups are now uh, pretty bitter rivals. So even though their ideas about Satanism are similar, they're diametrically opposed politically. So uh, Anton LaVey was a big fan of Ayn Rand and her philosophy of objectivism, and the Satanic Temple is pretty progressive in their ideas about tolerance and, and other kind of left-wing issues. Uh, so there's kind of no love lost uh, there as a result. Well, that's another way of saying that it's religion, right? It's prone to schism. That's right. And of course, while I was doing my research, several chapters broke away from the Satanic Temple and kind of formed their own progressive, politically engaged uh, Satanic religions. And, you know, the reasons that they left were, were many, and I think it was to some extent uh, inevitable. Give us an example. To, to tell us a story of, 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 of one of the groups that split off from the Satanic Temple. Sure. So one of the groups that split off was the L.A. chapter. So they, they had uh, a chapters kind of all over um, the United States and, and Canada and, and, and abroad. And the L.A. chapter uh, left, uh, citing a, a variety of, of reasons. There were a lot of people who were concerned that the leadership especially was, was too white, that the membership was, was too white. Satanism is, is traditionally a white male affair. There aren't a lot of people of color in Satanism, but also because I think they were uh, further to the left than the Satanic Temple, right? They disagreed on issues like free speech versus uh, deplatforming uh, uh, right-wing voices that they considered to be, to be dangerous. Uh, so so th those schisms were happening while I was doing uh, my ethnography, which was you know, interesting as a, as a researcher. It seems impossible to talk about their religious views without also talking about their politics. We mentioned earlier they've become known for petitioning to put up a statue of Baphomet, who's sort of a goat-headed version of the Christian devil, in front of state houses that put up Ten Commandments monuments. Lucian Greaves, who's one of the founders of the temple, it's pretty clear that the temple's goal is less about putting up the Baphomet statue than in ensuring you don't walk into a government building that's promoting exclusively Christian symbolism. We did not bring Baphomet here in hopes of replacing the Ten Commandments monument. We have as little interest in forcing our beliefs and symbols upon you as we do in having the beliefs of others forced upon us. 
What we are asking for is only that the public square, these capital grounds, remain an area in which free speech, religious liberty, and equality under the law be respected by the holders of public office who swore to uphold those values. And another one of the Satanists' ongoing campaigns is suing states that are trying to restrict abortion. The campaign is framed through the lens of religious freedom because they claim that restrictions on abortion favor Christian groups, that they prevent the expression of Satanist religious beliefs and practices. The Satanic Temple advances many just causes that protect the religious rights of our members. We champion pluralism and have repeatedly taken legal action to assure that Satanists receive the same treatment as members of other faiths. As an expression of our deeply held beliefs, the Satanic Temple has created a religious ritual that involves terminating an unwanted pregnancy during the first trimester. The ritual provides spiritual comfort and affirms bodily autonomy and self-worth. I think a good First Amendment lawyer might see these actions as using freedom of religion arguments to advance their political goals, fighting what they see as an uncomfortably close relationship between Christian groups and the state. What do you say to people who look at that and say it's all about provoking a reaction and pushing their political agenda, that it is more about trolling conservative Christians than an actual religion? So I think there's a, there's a couple of important points to make here. One is, uh, just because something is one thing doesn't mean it can't also be a religion, right? So uh, you, you, in theory, you could be a troll, and that could also be your your religion. Um, and the claim that uh, TST has a political agenda, and therefore they can't be a religion, is is kind of absurd, right? I mean, what, what religious group in America does not have a political agenda? And and Malcolm Jerry is is very adamant that he has goals that he's trying to reach, and he's working backwards from there, trying to come up with strategies to reach the goal. So he would say the fact that this is upsetting people or the fact that this is funny, those are kind of just side effects. What I'm really trying to do is to uh, battle um, you know, Christian hegemony and the, 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 the crumbling of the separation of, of, of church and state. So I actually don't think that they are trolls, even though their tactics may Uh, resemble that at times. Joe, you mentioned earlier that the Satanic Temple has actually been recognized as a church by the IRS. Did these questions of whether Satanists are sincere in their beliefs come into the decision at all? So the government is very resistant to ever actually defining what religion is. The Supreme Court has essentially refused to, to do this However, at the end of the day, the IRS has to decide who counts as a church and who doesn't uh, when, it's, when it's tax time. The Satanic Temple, uh, every time that they claim they had religious rights, people would respond and say, you're not a religion. You don't have religious rights. And so they figured the best way to not fight this battle over and over again would be to get recognition from the IRS. So the IRS technically is not defining whether you're a religion. They're defining whether you're a church. But they have a list of, I think, 14 things. And it's sort of like, you know, you might be an alcoholic, right? If you have a, a certain number of things on this list, they'll be persuaded that, that you're a, a religion. Satanic Temple has most of the things. So, for example, they have a program for children, right? It's called After School Satan, but they have a full year-long uh, a curriculum of education and basically science and critical thinking uh, for, for, for young people. 
Uh, they have rituals that they gather together to perform. They have fellowship. They have a physical headquarters. Uh, they have literature. Um, they're currently working on a full-fledged ordination program that requires uh, a training and, and testing and so forth to become uh, a minister. So the IRS really had no reason not to grant this to them. They met, I think, every single item on their on their checklist. I think that's surprising to people who only know about these big political provocations that they do. But if you actually look at uh, uh, the Zatanna Temple, the way the IRS sees them, it looks very much like a, a so-called mainstream or normal religion in terms of what they're what they're doing and what they're offering. So, as a scholar of religion, Joe, you called the category of new religious movements as the trash bin of the study of religion. But I suspect you don't really think that. And you think that the satanic temple really tells us something interesting about new religious movements and about religion in general. What is it about the satanic temple that helps us understand new religious movements? I, I think the, the satanic temple shows that new religious movements matter because these groups are posing questions that haven't been asked before. You know, the, the book is called Speak of the Devil because I think what's really interesting is the conversation Tan Temple is sparking around questions of the separation of church and state, religious freedom, religious pluralism. And, and this is a role that religious movements have served in the United States for a long time, right? Back in the 40s, all the Supreme Court cases uh, on religious freedom were revolving around the rights of Jehovah's Witnesses. And so in some ways, I see the Tan Temple as, as serving a similar function today. Of, of kind of causing us to think about things that we have uh, never really thought about before. I think one of the fascinating things about religion is its ability to erase its tracks, right? The, the, the power of a given religion is in part based on its ability to come off as transcendent. And I think one of the things about new religious movements and the satanic temple in particular, since it formed in the public eye, is that it makes that uncomfortable. Um, we've seen a religion in the making, and it's it's not that pretty some of the time. And and it makes us self conscious of our own traditions, right? Because it reveals how our own religions are constructed. That's right. Through through struggle and negotiation, a lot of the time. Yeah, and also as a reaction, it's not a timeless truth necessarily. So so this is a question of strategies of legitimation. James R. Lewis said, if you want to people to believe your religion, you kind of only have three choices, which is you can say it's a revelation from God. We've always done this for thousands of years. Or I made this up and it's it's rational, right? Think think about what I have to say and and, and see if you, you agree. Um, and, and Carol Cusack has written on the category of invented religions. And I do categorize this Tang Temple as an invented religion. And she's basically argued this is going to become a lot more common, right? In the 21st century, there really is no valid justification for a new religion other than that, you know, we, we, we just made this up. If, if you like it, uh, 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 come along. Um, but that strategy of, legitima of uh, legitimization, as you, as you pointed out, um, does cast certain aspersions on religions that defend themselves through uh, revelation or, or ancient tradition. Speaking of inventing new religions, we've covered QAnon and the ways it draws on religion or could maybe even be considered a religious movement. Do you think that the Satanic Temple and its rise over the last decade can help us understand QAnon? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Both the Satanic Temple and QAnon are happening because America is going through 
very rapid demographic changes, and it's changing from being a predominantly white Christian country to one that is more ethnically and religiously plural. And I think QAnon and the Trump phenomenon represent a backlash against that. And I think these Ten Commandment monuments going up all over the country represent a backlash against that demographic shift. And I see the Satanic Temple as a response to the backlash, right? And so I think it's very significant that uh, after the election of Donald Trump in 2016, people began joining the Satanic Temple in droves. And of course, QAnon began in 2017. Right. So you've got this back and forth between fear of a diversifying country, progressive backlash against that fear and its consequences, and then new movements in turn popping up as a result of that. And I think both movements are reaching for this image of a kind of evil conspiracy theory, which I think is a really powerful sort of political lever in Western civilization Uh, But they're doing different things with it, right? So QAnon is saying, you know, don't vote for Democrats, not because of some political issue, but because they're Satanists and they they eat babies. And the Satanic Temple is basically saying, don't put up monuments to the Ten Commandments unless you want these horrible Satanists coming in and, and, and doing it too. So they're both kind of using the same tool, but in very different ways. So, so what is the future of the Satanic Temple? So, I mean, nobody knows the the, the future. Uh, I think the Satanic Temple is much more positioned to endure than I think a lot of people realize. So they have put together um, a ministry training program, which I assume will survive in in some form uh, if something happens to to Lucian Greaves and and Malcolm Jerry. Um, So so there are kind of leadership in place. I see no reason why the Satanic Temple couldn't go on uh, for a long time. Even if it doesn't, uh, I think we are now seeing this entire milieu of uh, politically engaged, left-leaning Satanist groups, and I could see that going for a, for a very long time. Sacred and Profane was produced for the Religion, Race, and Democracy Lab at the University of Virginia. Our senior producer is Emily Gaddick. Our program manager is Ashley Duffalo. Today's guest is Joseph Laycock. Music for this episode comes from Blue Dot Sessions. You can find out more about our work at religionlab.virginia.edu or by following us on Twitter at the Religion Lab.